Lord Jesus, we want to hear your voice. We didn't come here to hear Steve. We didn't come here just to hear some music. We came here to experience you. And so would you help us right now to do something that we can't do for ourselves, to open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you have to say to us because we know that you're speaking. Teach us, Lord. Change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can sit down. Now, a week ago, I was doing community time, and I asked you guys, I mentioned a little bit about the greetings that people give, and I know that, you know, people are saying happy holidays out there and Merry Christmas, but now that's, now we're four days past Christmas, right? And so now the greeting that everybody's giving to each other, what was the greeting that everybody gave to you when you came in today? Happy New Year, but I think even more common than that is, how was your Christmas? And if you're speaking to somebody who's maybe a little bit younger than you, here's what, you say, what so many people say. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? So here's my question for you guys. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? I got some yes. Okay, the morning after Christmas, uh, December 26th, we were waking up and my wife looked at her phone and she said, oh, my friend Sonia Love texted me and said this. She said, the older I get, the more I realize that the things that I really want for Christmas are things that money can't buy. Let me say that again. She said, the, th the older I get, the more I realize that the things that I really want for Christmas are things that money can't buy. And I thought, that's right. It's not just right for Christmas. It's right for the day after Christmas. And the next day, it's, it, that's true for our lives. You got things that you really, really want to happen in 2020. You got things that you really, really want to happen in the decade that's going to be known as the 20s. That's coming up. I want you to think about what you want. I'm going to ask you some questions. I want to ask you, want to, ask you to follow the example of the college students and pull out your pens and papers or if you got to use a phone, that's cool too. And would you write down four questions, actually four words with a question mark after them, and I want you to think about what you're hoping for in the next year and the years to come. So the first word that I want to ask you guys to write down is the word dreams or dream, question mark. What is it as you go into 2020, as you go into this new decade, what is your dreaming of? I hope you got dreams. I hope you're dreaming of big things. No matter how old you are, whether you're, you're young or old, I hope you got things that you are anticipating, that you're looking forward to. If you could have life over the next year or the next 10 years the way that you want it, what would that look like? What are you dreaming of? Okay, that's the first question, first word. What's your dream? Second word that I want to ask you to write down is goals or goal, question mark. The difference between a dream and a goal is a goal is a dream that somebody said, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to make this reality. Somebody said, I've got this thing that's beating my heart, but I'm actually going to move forward in making it happen. So what's your goal? What are your goals? What are you shooting for? The third word that I want to ask you guys to write down is the word strategy or strategies. The first two questions were what questions? What are you dreaming of? 
What are you shooting for? The third is a how question. What is the strategy that you are going to implement to accomplish the goal in 2020, 20 that you just considered? There's a lot of people out there that talk about goals. And you're invited to take a step. What's the first step? What's the next step in you accomplishing that goal? It's not enough to just say we got goals. It's things that you want to bring into reality. What's the next step to bring you to that point? So, what's your dream? What's your goal? How are you going to accomplish that, that strategy? And the fourth question that I want to ask you is with this word, motivation. Motivation question mark. This is a question of why. What's your dream? What's your goal? How will you accomplish this? But the most important of these four questions that I'm asking you is why. Why do you want to accomplish this? And the reason that this is the most important of these questions is because the why question, listen to me, the why question will determine whether you are successful or not. And I know you guys are going, nah, that's not right. All right. But here, I want to tell you the truth that will set you free. I want you to learn today. We're here to learn. We're here to learn from the Lord. Whatever your dreams are, whatever your goals are, whatever the strategies are to accomplish those goals, the reason that you want those things will have a greater impact on your success than the goals and the strategies themselves. So here's the question I'm going to try to answer for you this morning. Here's the question I want to try to answer for you is, how can we be guaranteed success in 2020 and beyond? the next decade and for the rest of your lives. And what's important for us is to understand what I mean by success. Because I'm not talking about what everybody out there calls success. I'm talking by success. This is what I mean. Success is you fulfilling the purpose for which you were created for, whether you end up alive or not by the next year, whether you have your house or not, whether you have your job or not. What success is, is you fulfilling the purpose for which you were created and that there is a day coming when we stand before Jesus and success will be this, that he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's success. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Here's what I mean. If your motivation, the reason that this is the most important of the four questions I asked you is this, because if your motivation, above all else, is focused on building Jesus' kingdom, then you can't fail. You cannot fail. Whereas, if your motivation is to build your own kingdom, then you are guaranteed to fail, even if all the people out there call you a great success. That's the secret of life. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Whoever wants to save his life, they lose it. But whoever, want, whoever is willing to 
give up his life for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom. That is the person who will save it and will have ultimate success. So guys, there's really just two motivations I'm talking about. Two foundational motivations. Those people who want more than anything else to build Jesus' kingdom and of those people who want more than anything else to build their own little kingdom. So, I want you to think about what your, what, your, what your goals are, your strategies, your dreams, and your motivation. And as we're doing that, as you're thinking about that, I want to ask you to think about Jesus' dreams, his goals, his strategy, and his motivation. So let's start with that motivation first. What is Jesus' motivation? What motivates God? And this is what it is. His motivation is to establish truth and righteousness and justice. All of that being motivated by love for you and the people of the world. That's his motivation. He loves you. He loves you. And if you don't have that right, if you don't understand that he loves you, then everything else I'm saying doesn't, isn't going to make sense. If you're not convinced that he loves you, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, then none of this is going to make sense. But if you're convinced that he loves you, and this whole endeavor of God is about a love relationship with you and humanity, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you cannot be shaken or my covenant of peace ever be removed. Neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if you're convinced of that, then, you, then this is going to work, what we're talking about. Jesus' motivation is love. Okay? Now let's talk about what, is, what was God's dream. God's dream hasn't changed. God had a dream. He who existed outside of our time, space, and matter. He existed in perfection. In an instant, Psalm 33, 6 says that he spoke the universe into existence. By the word of his mouth, the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. He spoke this universe into existence and everything in the universe, from atoms to galaxies, all the laws of nature, everything controlled by his omnipotent hand. He controlled it. He reigned over it. But in his great wisdom, he had a plan that there would be an exception to that omnipotence. That in, in a little galaxy that we call the Milky Way, there is a little star that we call the sun, and near that star, there's our little planet. What a coincidence. That on this planet, he would withdraw his direct control and instead make creatures who he would allow to make decisions for themselves. Those decisions being so important that, that their future, the history of this planet, would be determined by the decisions they made and 
their eternal destiny being determined by the decisions that they made. Psalm 115, 16 gives us a hint of what he did. It says this, the highest heavens, that means 15 billion light years and growing, that universe belongs to him. But the earth, this little planet, he entrusted to you guys. He entrusted to us, to people. He entrusted this planet and the future of this planet to us. And why did he do it? He did it because it's only with free will, free choice that a person can really love. And I'll show it. I'll prove it to you. Right now, here in my phone, I got Siri, right? Siri, do you love me? Well, I enjoy spending quality time with you. Even if Siri said she loved me, it doesn't make me feel good. You know why? Because there is no free choice in that at all. She's simply programmed to say what she's supposed to say. She doesn't love me. Right? Because she has no free will. But God made us with a freedom to choose because he wanted a relationship with us. I want you to think about this. If God... Or since God, because God wanted a perfect world, he had two choices. Either he could make a world where there was no freedom to choose, where everything was directed by his sovereign, absolute control. Or he could make a preliminary world where his creatures had freedom to choose whether to love him or not. And all of these creatures who wanted to love him, and wanted him to be their king, they were invited into his eternal world that he had planned on all along. And those who didn't want that, who didn't want him to be their king, who didn't love him, they didn't have to come. They could go their own way through eternity without being bothered by him. And both kinds of people get what they choose. And Jesus gets the wor a world where people are in love with him forever, freely choosing to acknowledge him as their loving king. That's Jesus' dream. That's what he was dreaming of. Now, what's his current goal? What's the goal that he's working towards right now? And I want you to see the goal that we're in the middle of right now. Jesus' goal. What's going on in Jesus' heart? Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. This is a powerful verse. This is the kind of verse that you just have to kind of like draw circles around because it explains what we're up to. This is what he said. Apostle Paul has written to the church in Ephesus, and this is what he says. And he made known to us, speaking that God made known to us the mystery, that means the secret plan of God, the secret plan of God that God would become human and die for the sins of humanity, earning back to himself the right to rule this planet. We even sang about that earlier. He made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure. You know what that means? That means according to that dream. That dream that was beating in his heart. Which he purposed in Christ. It's all about Jesus. What Jesus did. Which he purposed in Christ to be brought, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. In other words, there's a the, there's the time coming when this age, this current age is done. When there's a change. And the fulfillment of this, of, of this goal that I'm about to read to you happens at the end of this age. And this is what it is. To bring all things in heaven and earth together. 
under one head, Jesus. That's where we're headed. That's the goal. The goal is our uniting of heaven and earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on this little planet, like it is everywhere else. That's his goal. Okay? Now let me ask you, if that's his goal, then what's his strategy? And this is even more amazing. His strategy is you. You're the strategy. You're the method. God intends to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, Jesus Christ, and you are the one that he's inviting, he's commanding to accomplish this goal. And Hebrews 10.13 says, and since that time, since the time that he stepped off this planet, he waits. You guys waiting for Jesus to come back? Guess who's waiting more? Jesus is waiting for his people to do what he, the, what he gave them to do when he left. His method is you. See, Jesus didn't expect to do all the work himself. You guys know what that's like? Friday night we had a bunch of food at the Cornerstone, and we had some people doing all the work. Well, I was talking to people. That wasn't very nice, was it? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. When you, maybe Christmas Day. You're doing all the work, and you're like, well, somebody come and help me. Okay, I, I want you to think about what Jesus intended. Jesus did not intend to do all the work himself. What he expected was that he would recruit a group of people and train them so that they would go out and train others who would train others who through sacrificial love and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they would overthrow the devil's kingdom. There's a time coming when the devil's kingdom is overthrown. You can read it about in Revelation 12. But let me just remind you of a couple verses in Revelation 12. Revelation 12, 11 tells us how the devil is defeated. It says this. They, speaking of, the, speaking of you, the people of God, which includes you, I hope, they overcame him by three things. The blood of the lamb that was applied to their life, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, the way the devil was defeated was Jesus' blood applied to us, our proclamation of that truth, and us saying, my life doesn't matter. He is worthy. It's worth it. I was just in South Asia a few weeks ago, and I had these 26 young men who were becoming pastors that me and Daniel, Daniel's right over here, raise your hand, Daniel, and we were training these guys, and we just kept on thinking, some of these guys are going to die for their faith in Jesus. Is it worth it? I'd ask them. They said, it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Amen. Jesus is worth it. You know, I don't know how the devil's defeated. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and us not loving our lives so much to shrink from death. You are men and women of God, full of courage, unafraid of what the devil can do. And so Jesus explained this plan to his little team of people the night before he left, the night, or the night before he died, the night before he died, as they finished the Lord's Supper together, he says, let me, guys, let me explain to you guys what's going to happen. He told them he was going away to prepare a place for them, that he was planning to come back, but John 14, 12, guys, this is powerful, and you can't just read through this, you've got to think about what Jesus is saying 
John 14, 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Now, whenever Jesus always tells the truth. Whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that means this is true because I always tell the truth, but I want you guys to really listen to what I'm saying. And I tell you the truth, Jesus says, whoever, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. Who is he talking about? Not just talking about the people in that room. He's saying, anybody who's got faith in me will do the things that I've been doing. In fact, he will do even greater things than these because, and I would underline that word, because I'm going to the Father. I'm stepping off this planet. What's the connection between him stepping off the planet and you guys doing the work that he was doing? Here's the connection. Here's the connection. He is saying this. I've been here to get the ball rolling in this restoration of planet Earth. I've done my part. Tomorrow I die to win back the right to rule this planet. But because I'm leaving, I'm entrusting you guys the responsibility to continue the work. And you are to do exactly what I've been doing and more. In fact, you're going to do more. Because as I was here on this planet, the Holy Spirit dwelled in one body. But I'm about to step off, and in, instead of me, one person, being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, instead I'm leaving, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower all of you to keep doing what I've been doing, and way, way more. Look what he says. Verse 13. All of us are thinking, Jesus expects me to do what he was doing? I can hardly manage my own life. How does he expect me to do that? Well, he tells us. Verse 13. I will do whatever you ask in my name. Underline that, in my name. That doesn't mean he'll do whatever you ask. Lord, give me a Lamborghini, please. <laughs> whatever you ask for his sake is what this means. For the sake of the kingdom of Jesus. He'll do whatever you ask. If you ask for something for the kingdom of Jesus, he will give it to you. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What Jesus is saying here is, if you have faith in me, and you are working for me, I'm going to give you guys everything you need to accomplish the goal. People in Grace Community Church, listen to what I'm saying. You have everything you need to accomplish the goal that Jesus gave you when he left. Everything. But... You've got to do what he commands. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, most of your Bibles have a, has a break between verse 14 and verse 15, and we think this is another section. This is not another section. He's talking, this is the same context. What in verse 15 is Jesus commanding? It's verse 12. It's what he just told him. It's, you guys, go do what I've been doing. And we think, oh, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not that spiritual. I can't do all that. He's not asking you. He's telling you, if you love me, you will do what I just told you to do in verse 12. Go do it. I've touched a few people, Jesus says, in my time on this earth, but I could only be in one place at one time with the power of the Holy Spirit. But now, you guys are going to 
get Holy Spirit power, and millions and millions of people all over the world are going to finish this work that I started. And in order for you to accomplish this, verse 16, yeah, he doesn't expect you to do it on your own. Verse 16, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you always during church and during work and during play and whatever you're doing. He is with you for the purpose of accomplishing what God has called you to do. The world can't accept him, speaking of the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, Jesus says, for he, will, he lives with you and will be in you. What Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit power has not come upon you yet because I haven't died. At that point, the hearts of his disciples are still dirty. They have not been purified. The Holy Spirit cannot live in an impurified heart. But tomorrow, the day after he says this, he's going to pay for the sins of all humanity, clearing the temple, the future temple, of the Holy Spirit of God, the lives, the hearts of people. Then he says something that, again, seems maybe a little unrelated, but it's not. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Why is he talking about orphans? Here's what it is, guys. He's explaining to them, you guys are going to go do the work. And he is trying to convince them and trying to convince you to stop stressing about the possibility of your family disowning you if you obey Jesus, what Jesus is commanding here. I'm a college pastor. I am recruiting people to join me to finish this job that Jesus gave us. That's my job. I didn't become a college pastor because I didn't have something else to do. I became a college pastor because we are, in a, we are changing the world, and I need these guys with me. I need you with me. And the biggest barrier that I've seen over the years to people saying, yes, Jesus, I will serve you, it's worth it, is the fear of what family members and parents especially will think if they really give themselves to doing what Jesus commanded here. We're not going to let that happen at Grace Community Church. And I'm not going to let it happen to my family. My kids are being raised to give their lives, whatever that means, for the sake of the gospel because it's worth it. And what Jesus is saying is, don't worry if, if, if you end up being an orphan. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. They may reject you. And so even... even Yesterday, I got a call from... I started preparing for what I'm going to say to you. One of our girls called and said, my family said they're disowning me. And you're responding, right? And the story's not over. And your courage and your determination to put Jesus first in your life will bring your family to their knees before Jesus. Now back to you guys. In light of all that, in light of what Jesus' motivation and goals and dreams and strategy, in light of all that, how are we supposed to live our lives in 2020? Jesus is going to accomplish his goal. He will. And he is going to accomplish his goal through his people, his team. You're on a team. Be a part of the team. Live like you're part of the team. 
appreciated that Nick wore the shirt that I gave to all the college students that says Team Jesus. Bought them at, at Walmart for five bucks. I bought a whole bunch of them. Whatever other teams you guys are on, the number one team that you're on, the team that you, get, you swear your allegiance to is Team Jesus. Do you want to be part of that kingdom building team? Or are you going to waste your life on other things? Let me ask you that again. I want to make sure you understand me. Are you going to be a part of Jesus' kingdom building team in 2020? Or are you going to waste your life on other stuff? Because it will be a waste. Everything that you do for yourself that's apart from his kingdom building will burn. It, there is a day coming when it is no more. When all that ends up worth nothing. And everything that you did for yourself, for your own little kingdom, won't matter in eternity. And everything that you did for his kingdom will matter for eternity. Here's what I think. I think we've got a room full of people who are living, wanting to be a part of this team who are a part of his team, who are living with that goal in mind. Now, because as a college pastor, I talk with so many young people who they want to be part of the team. They're willing to, 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 to surrender all to Jesus, but they either believe that they don't have that much to offer or they don't know what the next step is. Here's what I want you guys to imagine as you think about what you're supposed to do in 2020 and beyond. I want you to think about Imagine a river. You're at the, si- on the, uh, at the side of a river, and you're looking across, but it's dark and foggy, and you can't see the other side, but you know there's another, the other side. The river is raging, and there's boulders that you can jump on. You know you've got to get to the other side of the river, but you don't know where to start. What if you get, jump on this boulder, and, and then you jump on the next boulder? What if you get out of the middle, and you can't, and you get stuck? But that's the situation that so many of us are in as we look toward the future. We're thinking, how can I get across? I don't know where I'm supposed to even start. What if I step here and it's a mistake? I've got good news for you guys. You don't have to get it all figured out. You have to trust the one who has it all figured out. I want to share with you a verse that you guys have heard, but I want you guys to, to make up your mind that you're going to live by this verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding as you think, should I go there? Should I go there? Should I go there? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. In all your ways, all your ways, as you take those steps, you acknowledge him, that you put your eyes on him. And the guarantee is that he will direct your steps. He will, you'll find out, you'll be, you'll be down the road and you'll get across, you'll look, I made it. That's the guarantee. That's the guarantee from the Lord. Let me just tell you guys a little bit of my story. When I was 18 years old and I came to America, I knew this verse, but I didn't know if this verse was going to work and I had to take a risk. I grew up in the Philippines in a tribal group, uh, Agta people. We, didn't have, we grew up in a grass house, no electricity, no running water, no toilet. It's a great way to grow up. You guys should let your kids grow up that way. <laughs> so I come to America and... I didn't know anything, but of course I had to pretend like I did because, you know, I had to try to fit in. But I didn't have any money. I didn't have any job. I didn't have any car. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have, I I didn't know how to get those things. But I decided that I was going to put my trust in this truth. Trust in the Lord completely. Not trust in my own ingenuity. In all my ways, acknowledging him and he would make my life work. So I did that. And it wasn't easy. 
I came when I was 18. I think by the time I was about 21, I got a job at Great Western Savings Bank in Southern California, making $7 an hour and working 20 hours a week. I just happened on that job. And I learned money. I learned how money worked. If I hadn't got that job, I don't think I'd be here today talking with you. So I'm working at my teller window one day after months of working there, and a woman comes and she hands me a note and says, the note says, I'm the manager at American Savings down the street. I want you to work for me. Come see me. So I go down there the next day, and it turns out it's a mortgage bank. Now, I didn't know what a mortgage was. I'd played Monopoly when I was a kid. That's all I knew. My parents didn't have a mortgage. They bought their first house for $13.50. So I didn't know what it was, but God sovereignly arranged this. So I go down there, I work at this mortgage bank, and I learn mortgages, and I learn real estate. And I thought, maybe someday I'm going to buy, you know, maybe I'd have enough pennies in my pocket to buy a house. But that was unthinkable at the time. But God had a plan. He was giving me a tool in my belt to do something that has affected so much of our lives. So I'm working there, and a guy comes and he says, hey, I got an electric company. Come work for me. I'm like, okay. I go work for him. I learned how to be an electrician for three or four months. And then he goes bankrupt. Praise God. Because if he hadn't gone bankrupt, I think I would have just, that would have been my life. I would have been an electrician. But he goes bankrupt, and I go work for this, somebody that he knew who's a framer and concrete guy. You, get a, you see the theme here? There's something happening. So I learned framing and concrete. Now, during all this time, oh, let me tell you. So he goes bankrupt, too. Praise God he goes bankrupt. Because had he not gone bankrupt, I would have just stayed with that company for a long time. But because he goes bankrupt, I found out like, oh, there's a connection between people who got a college degree and how much money they make. So I go get a college degree. And during all this time, and if anything had been different, I wouldn't be here as a pastor at Grace. But during this time, a family in Southern California says, hey, we want to start Bible study in our home, and we'd like you to lead it. This is a, this is a couple that's about 50 years old, and I'm 21. And I'm thinking... People just laugh when I talk. You don't want me to leave. You know what? The Lord used them to invite me into ministry. If I had not started that Bible study, I wouldn't be a pastor today because that community of people started that first week with me and the two of them, and the next week there was another person, and that grew to being a group about the size of what the cornerstone is now where for six years I taught the Bible in spite of all my inability. And during this time, my wife, she graduated from college, she needs a job, so she goes and applies at a temp agency. The temp agency sends her, think of the thousands of places they could have sent her. They send her to Kinki Nippon Turisto, which is a Japanese travel agency where she gets connected with Japan and finds out about the Japan English program and applies for it. So two months after I graduate from college, we go to Japan. If she'd been sent to any other agency, our lives would have been totally different. We go to Japan, and of all the places that the Board of Education in Japan could have sent us, they send us to a place that has been ordained by God called Hita. Amen. The Lord sends us to Hita 
because he's got a plan for Japan that would break out of Hita. So you guys just see this. I'm just making steps. I'm taking steps across this river, and the Lord is leading it. But think about this. We get to Hita. I don't speak Japanese. She doesn't speak Japanese. But 30 years before that, there was a young man, young back then, sometime in the late 60s, named Kuono, who applied for a job and was sent to be a driver for ambassadors. Because he became a driver for ambassadors, he realized, I need to learn English. So he gave himself to learning English, and he became the best English speaker in our city of Hita. So when we arrived there, you know what Mr. Kuono's goal was? His goal was to teach us to be the best Japanese speakers possible, and he devoted himself to that for free because he wanted our message to be able to be communicated in Japanese. He's not a Christian yet. Please pray for him. Guys, I want you to see, if Kuano, if Kuano had a mother, our program in Japan that all that so many people here have been a part of, it wouldn't be happening. Do you think God had a sovereign design for that? So then, then three years later, our contract in Japan is up. We, by accident, moved to Texas. Sorry, guys. It wasn't like a major plan. We just kind of ended up here. And we, by accident, start this real estate investment company that now has funded so much in the Philippines and in Japan and now in South Asia. We made money by mistake. We, made, we start this business by accident. My business partner's by accident. We make money by accident. God had a sovereign design for all this thing because of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so we, we're here. We're going to Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship over in Dallas. And one day we're late by God's sovereign design. We're driving. I'm like, okay, they lock the doors if you don't get there on time because that's the way they do it. You can't get in. So we're, let's try this little church here on Park Road. And we go into Grace Community Church. And our plan is we'll be here one Sunday because we got a great church that we're going to over there. And Don Beecham, during the break time that we just had here, Don Beecham comes and says, hey, I'm Don. Who are you? I said, I'm Steve Hedlund. He says, Steve Hedlund, are you related to Tom Hedlund? I said, yeah, that's my dad. Now think about it. If I'd, been, if, if I'd gotten caught in a conversation with somebody else, I wouldn't be here as pastor today. He says, you relate to Tom Hedlund? I said, yeah, that's my dad. You know how he got connected with my dad? As the missions department was starting here at Grace Community Church, he calls over to Wycliffe Center and says, hey, I'd like somebody to come and speak to our little missions department. Can I speak to somebody? The receptionist says, oh, yeah, why don't you speak to uh, Tom Hedlund? So my dad had been here. If he'd, if he'd talked to anybody else, if he'd been here, anybody else who'd come, I wouldn't be here as a pastor at Grace. Do you think that God is sovereignly arranging our lives in a way that brings him glory because our eyes are on him? Absolutely. And so here's what I want you to think. I mean, this raging river where it seems impossible that I would step on all the right stepping stones. I'm across the river now looking back at the past 35 years of my life thinking, how did I make all the right choices? You know why? You know how this works? We don't have to make all the right choices. We trust him, and together with him, we make choices that he builds his kingdom through. Jesus is building his kingdom, and he wants to invite you to be a part of it. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. Let me just speak this to you guys. The Lord says, I will instruct you, and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. In other words, we got, we got our eyes locked. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I know where I'm supposed to step. You guys, think about it. This, this erases all the fear. 
All you got to do is be motivated by following him, and he'll direct your steps. Jesus is building a kingdom. He's building an eternal kingdom. Let's join him in 2020 and beyond. Let's not waste our lives building our little kingdoms that are going to fade away. In 2020, in the decade that is going to come to be known as the 20s, your life, your part matters. It matters. You are God's gift to this world. There's nobody like you. There's nobody who can do what you can do. God has given you yourself, you, as a gift to this world. Spend yourself on building his kingdom. If you don't do it, nobody can substitute for you. Only you know the people that you know. Only you know the places that you know. You are unique. You are handcrafted by God. Let's serve him. Jesus says that we should seek his kingdom above all else and his righteousness, and then everything else works. You guys remember this? Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things are added to you. But don't live for those things. Don't live for those things. I want to close with Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Actually, I want to do something that I didn't plan on doing. But as, as the, the, this, this, this college community, other, other college age students who are here, I want to invite you guys. You guys just come stand up here. Okay? Um, and I'm going to invite the rest of you to join them if you want. You don't have to. But the reason I know that they'll do it is because they're living with this kind of mentality all the time. Here's my life. I want to give my life to you. You guys, go, go just stand down there. And I'm going, to, I'm going to lead them and you. You guys can join them. You don't have to, you don't have to be afraid. Okay, this community of college students is world-changing. These people are amazing. I want, to, I want to speak over you, Romans 12, 1 and 2. In light, this is what Paul says to the church in Rome. In light of God's mercies... I urge you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. You guys want to know what worship is? It's not just guitars. Worship is these bodies. Look at these bodies. Think about the world-changing stuff that can happen through these, these people. Worship is saying... Here's my mind, my mouth, my eyes, my hands, my feet, my wallet, everything for your glory, Lord. I want to worship you like that. That's verse 1. Verse 2 from Romans 12 is like it, but it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't stop. That means stop thinking the way the world thinks out there. People in Grace Community Church don't think the way that the world thinks. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what the will of God is? You won't know unless you devote yourself to him. Okay, so I'm going I'm to lead us in prayer. And, the, and as I, you guys can pray after me, okay? You pray after me, and I'm inviting everybody to stand up, and some of you guys still need to come up here, because even if you're not in college, I'm just, I'm just letting the college students be the example here. So come on and join them here. And what, together we are declaring that we belong to Jesus, that we live for him, and that his kingdom can be built through us.
Guys, I know we got a lot of people. If, if everybody comes up, we'll just make a big mosh pit up here. Okay, no, not that. <laughs> Let's pray. And, and, and especially you, you um, college students, would you just pray after me? But everybody pray after me. Let's declare our allegiance to surrendering to Jesus as our king. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Say that. We surrender our lives to you. We give you authority in our lives to do what you want. Would you use me to build your kingdom? And as we go into 2020, would you show me what things need to change so that I can be more effective in serving and loving you? We're asking that your kingdom will come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that that, that would be completed through each of us. That you'd use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, here's, here's what we're doing now. The service is over, but we've got call, um, Connection Coffee right over here. We've got the Welcome Center here. If you're a first-time person here, I want to invite you to the Welcome Center. If you've got any questions for any of the other members of our staff, you can go to Connection Coffee. I'll be at the Welcome Center. If you're a first-time person, I'd love to meet you. Amen.